<laughs> the title of my solo album. <laughs> the title of my David Blaine special, <laughs> Levitating Balls. <clears throat> Hello, I'm Mark. I'm Justin. We're the J-Pops. And we are attempting parenting in Japan. Welcome to episode 43. Uh, today, we... Mostly have some updates to go over, but we need to apologize first because this is coming to you just a little bit late. Yeah, this is our first ever late posting, so much to our shame. Yep. Yeah, so on with the updates. I've got a bit. Yeah, go for it. How's Coda doing? Yeah, he's doing really good. He's uh, six and a half months. Um, He had a checkup about, I guess it was just a couple days ago now. And he's just shy of 10 kilos and mm-hmm. 72 centimeters. I have no idea what that is in inches or anything. Man, it's funny. We've been in America for like six weeks now. And all of my centimeter and kilogram knowledge has gone out the window. <laughs> every <fast>. time, <laughs> Yeah. Every time we weigh him, it's like, hey, he's 21 pounds or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, we... <laughs> It's all gone. It's only in Japan am I exposed to that stuff. So I don't know. He's so Koda is ten kilograms, eh? Just about. Yeah. It was like nine point six something something. That has to be more than Nico. Uh has to be, but you I'm think? not exactly sure. Yeah, I think so. I think Koda passed up Nico like a month ago, actually. Let's see, nine point six kilograms pounds, twenty one point one pounds. Okay. I think Nico is just at twenty one. So, oh, okay. So maybe they're yeah. about the same or yeah. Coda's got him by just barely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's a he's a stout little dude, that's for sure. That's um that's what I remember most about him. He's yep. got powerful legs. He's still, like a little athlete of a baby. Yep, still throwing perfect spirals through the living room. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Of his di- his own diapers that he's taken off. That's right. He spirals them into the pail. Hucks them at Isla. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Establishing dominance. That's good. Yeah, but uh, no no real updates for him. Just uh, carrying on, just kind of being great. We did take a trip across the country. And in Japan, when you say that, it's not, not as big a deal as people mm-hmm. who say it in America. <laughs> uh-huh. It took us one day to go from coast to coast. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, where did you wind up? We're on a coast. We're halfway down the, the main island of Japan on the west coast. So yeah. where did you end up? Yeah, we went to a little town called Choshi in Chiba Prefecture to go and visit uh, Moi's mom and then caravan with her back to Toyama with us. And what is that trip one way in the car? Um, I think it was like seven hours without stops and we stopped about four times for mm. different rest areas. So we left like 6.30 a.m. I think we got there right about four-ish. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so a good 10-hour haul all day. Well, that's interesting because it's different with the baby, obviously. Babies have these routines and schedules and they get hungry yeah. frequently. So did you play that by ear or did you like map out exactly the rest stops you were hoping to make it to, you know, before you ever took the trip? Um, we had a good idea, but we were just kind of playing it by ear because sometimes 
he'll go for like three and a half hours and be totally fine without a bottle. And other times it's like two hours. I need, I need food now kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then we were also doing like real mashed food for him. So we were trying to Mm -hmm. plan that at different places too. So it, it worked out pretty well. There was no real catastrophes that happened. That's good. And it's only the, well, it was the three of you going down plus the dog. Right. Right. So we would take turns driving. One of us would sit in the back with the baby and then the dog would be in the front passenger seat. (laughs) (laughs) Navigating. Navigating, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Innate sense of direction in dogs. Um, So then was, were the kid stops and the dog stops and the adult stops all the same stops or did you? Oh, okay. So you never had to like pull double duty as it were and stop for a dog break and then stop for a baby break or anything no no there was just a couple stops where it was only only dealing with coda just because nobody else had to do anything but i yeah that's a huge undertaking and i mean i did the big air travel which was 29 hours door to door and had a 13 hour flight and security and all that stuff but somehow the cross-country road trip seems very hard to me as well there's well, yeah, a lot you, of planning. I think if you're in the in the plane and doing all that stuff, you're a passenger. Yeah. So you don't have to give it as much concentration or thought about it. So the stress level, it's just focused on the baby. But when you're yeah. driving and dealing with the stress of a baby and a dog and like everything, it's mm-hmm. a it's a tiring tiring process. Yeah. Then on the way back, you caravan, so you had that same setup plus your wife's mother in a different car yeah yeah she doesn't like to make the haul in one day anymore Mm -hmm. so she likes to break it up so she'll do two days on the way back and stop usually in gunma there's Mm -hmm. a little pet hotel in a ski town that she likes to go to and so she'll stop there and stay over the night she's got two cats that she hauls with her Mm -hmm. so she's got these cats in little crates that she puts in the car and then drives and then stops at the hotel and then drives the next day. So we did that pretty much exact same process with her, just helped her drive. So it would be like I would drive for a bit in the morning and then she would drive her own car and then I'd switch. I'd start driving her car and then Moe would drive our car. Uh, that's a like that's a big mechanism you got rolling down the road there, like all the, the yeah. change yeah. ups and the <laughs> staying overnight somewhere. And yeah, it was a it was quite the coordinated procedure we had it was good (laughs) do you find this could just be me stereotyping a little bit but i find that in japan on any road trip there's about an hour that can pass before everybody wants to go to a rest stop and i feel that in the u.s you drive until you're out of gas and then as you're filling up your gas you quickly go to the bathroom and then you jump back in your car and drive till you run out of gas again yeah yeah it's definitely different than road tripping in america because mm-hmm. i think there's so much so many more places to stop here like mm-hmm. you've got a rest area every like i think at most like 60 kilometers but yeah. usually they're shorter like even 20 kilometers away so mm-hmm. your frequency and then you're like well this is a good rest stop because it's got the gas station the restaurant the kombini attached to it whereas yeah. the next three are just bathrooms and vending machines yeah so you're like oh, well i gotta stop now yeah it's also in japan it's a true rest stop that's like incorporated into the highway 
Yeah. Um, whereas in America, you're usually getting off in a little town and seeing yeah. what they have. So yeah. it is easier to just pop off the interstate and then pop right back on in Japan, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed, you know, a, a trip that we tend to make is a two and a half hour drive to my wife's grandmother's house. We do that a few times a year and there's always a stopover in the middle. But um, <laughs> right. in my entire life in America for a two and a half hour drive, that's unthinkable that you would stop during yeah. that amount of time. And um, they take it really seriously. My wife's parents, I, I've started driving because we got the freed. I should mention <laughs> it's been a couple I, episodes, <laughs> a few episodes, which now in the every other week format, I don't know if we're fulfilling our obligations to Honda any longer, but uh, <laughs> since I got the freed, let me say again, uh, I've got the, the biggest car and all five of us fit in there pretty comfortably. So now I'm in charge of driving on the, on mm-hmm. the road trips. And um, there's a lot of hullabaloo. Um, if I may invoke a little French, um i don't know what that word is but there's a there's a lot of uh a lot of goings on and chatter before we go about like are you know if you need to if you need to get out of the driver's seat for a while just let us know i think your insurance will cover any of us to drive to and it's like it's two and a half hours like people in america commute two and a half hours sometimes and uh it's a quite a big deal i've noticed in japan maybe it's just the people that i ride with usually but i think it's it's culturally that way i think culturally yeah when you because i only live 45 minutes outside of the city mm-hmm. and to to other people i talk to they're like oh you live 45 minutes away like oh man that's a weekend trip yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and it's what you said earlier too about being in charge of the trip or not because people do commute a couple hours in tokyo routinely yeah. but you just sit on a train and yeah. you play on your phone so You're passive yeah, it's different when you're um, piloting the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. That's all I had for updates. Um, what about you guys? Our updates. Uh, we've got a few of them here. Uh, health-wise, um, Nico's legs started breaking out a lot with um, something like, uh, I don't know, just sort of little, I don't know what you'd call them, little dots, little like pimply things on his legs, and then they would quickly turn into hmm. scabs. And the scab, I mean, at, at the worst, I think he had, I would say, like, between his two legs, like, 50, like, little scabs all over his legs. This isn't, like, a and chicken pox thing? It wasn't chicken pox. It was just on the legs. So Weird. Um, that was mysterious to us. But then uh, I think we pieced it all together. Uh, basically, you know, when the kid's born, you have a baby-friendly detergent that you wash all of the clothes in. Oh. And... Then uh, we did that, and over time, you notice, okay, well, my kid's been held by several people exposed to different detergents, and our clothes washed in our detergents, and um, no breakouts, no problems, so he's probably fine. So then you quickly move past the baby detergent, you know? Yeah. Uh, But then we came to America, and I think it's like everything's just slightly different chemically than what must be sold in Japan. So uh, also the weather is such that he's wearing long sleeves, but, you know, babies often have a onesie that's long sleeved and then their legs are exposed. So um, he was wearing like the the long sleeved onesies we had in Japan washed in that uh, detergent. But then here he was coming into contact with something just his legs were. Hmm. Uh, so we washed all of the bed clothes, all of his clothes and all of our clothes in the baby friendly detergent in America. 
and his legs have not been as bad since then. But um, it was a weird thing because we thought like, well, we've done the soap thing and he's fine. But right. then we came to another country and we it took us a while to think of that as the solution because it, we had already sort of checked the box in our mind. Mm. Uh, but we had to backtrack a little bit and do that again. So we're back to baby friendly detergent in this country. And it's like cleared him right up. Um, well, that's another, th- yeah, it, that it's um, great that we don't have to like visit a dermatologist or something. Cause I mean, the, I don't know how much it would cost or what insurance would do there. Well, that's a specialist. So you got to take a yeah. loan out. Yeah, exactly. There would be some <laughs> loans. Um, but the, uh, the other trouble was, um, well, not the, actually the other solution to this problem is a and D ointment. Um, hmm. do you know this? Uh, no, I, I know it because it's recommended for tattoos. Like if you get a tattoo, you rub a and D ointment on it. Oh, interesting. Um, and, uh, a and D ointment is like a diaper rash ointment. Basically huh. it's in the baby aisle and it's a and D because it's like vitamin a vitamin D is, uh, in it. Oh, okay. So, um, it's supposed to help with babies who have a rash. So we had some a and D ointment, this kind of lotion in like, it looks like a toothpaste tube. <laughs> and I read on the label, it said, it's also good with, um, little scrapes and things. And I thought, well, he's got these little scabs on his legs from where he's broken out. Uh, so I started rubbing his entire legs and A and D ointment and then putting his pants on, on top of that to kind of keep it locked in. Mm. And, um, it's done really well that and the, the baby detergent. So that was our approach and it saved us (laughs) huge American medical bills. Yeah. No kidding. The next update that we have, Nico has started puffs, ladies and gentlemen, I saw he's, this video. <laughs> oh yeah. He's uh he's a puff fanatic now. He doesn't have the dexterity. A puff is like a child's uh Cheeto more or yeah. less. It's like um not as unhealthy, but it's just a tiny <laughs> little puffed rice thing and it's sort of the first snack food that kids can really get into. Mm. Um and I think the entire uh like massive bottle of puffs has something like 200 calories or something so in any in any sitting the kids getting like 10 calories to 20 calories it's like a tiny tiny amount and there's a little flavoring so the kid likes it but Hmm. a puff will see a child through any situation (laughs) because it's like a fun little activity for the kid to pick up puffs and put them in his mouth the puff um you know melts in the kid's mouth it has a flavor and all of this keeps the kid occupied mentally nice so um we had like a two-hour breakfast with some people yesterday morning and we brought puffs and uh it it was like smooth sailing just give the kids some puffs and uh it's no trouble at all so highly recommend yeah we were watching the video and it looks like it just kind of dissolves in his mouth yeah really quickly and like alarmingly quickly he was pretty happy Yeah, it has like an apple, banana, maybe kind of, no, apple, strawberry flavor, which he's not used to. And it's not overpowering, but it's something that he can notice. Right. good. Yeah, so Puffs, that's our other update. Everybody go buy Puffs and give them to your eight-month-old. Update number three is that, um, I don't know if you've done this yet, but I stayed away overnight for the first time. No, no, not not yet. Yeah, I think. Actually, wait, did I? Oh yeah, I totally did when I did Mount Fuji. Yeah, I was gone. For like, oh yeah, I was gone for like three days. <laughs> okay, nice. Yeah, so you've got experience with the overnight. Yeah, 
And uh, did you notice anything? Like, um, I've heard people say, like, I just wanted to get back to my sweet baby. And then other people say, um, you know, finally a night of freedom and I can sleep and that sort of stuff. So did you have any emotions, uh, anything that you noticed in yourself on the first night away? Yeah, it was two nights. And the first night was definitely that, oh, sweet freedom. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) And then the second night was, okay, I'm ready to go back. Yeah, I'm done. And but that could have also been like that day, like. I climbed up and down Mount Fuji. So I was yeah. just tired as shit. And like, <laughs> yeah. Need to get back anyway. But I, I um, think I, I had the full spectrum of, of feelings. Yeah. I went to uh, Louisville, Kentucky, which is two hours away from where I am now. And mm. I it was really, really hard to figure out how to go to Louisville. I have a lot of friends who live there. And I wanted to see some people. Um, and it's really difficult to imagine like, okay, we got to drive two hours and then wherever we go, do they have everything we need for an overnight with the baby? And right. are they going to be inconvenienced by this crying baby and stuff? And it was just like way too much trouble to figure out how to go. So I was basically thinking, I'll just kind of avoid Louisville and just not even go. Mm-hmm. But then uh, one of my favorite comedians, maybe my favorite comedian of all time was coming through Louisville. So I bought tickets to his show there and uh his name is doug stanhope i don't expect anyone to know him he's (laughs) he's uh, a legend absolutely amazing but um he's like not television or radio friendly so he doesn't often pop up outside of youtube right uh but he's he's like a a really uh, like he really shaped me as a young man listening to his (laughs) comedy um so I went to see Doug Stanhope after all these years of loving him and never seen him before. And it was a good chance to like, then, you know, be there in the evening, stay the night and then come back the next day. Hmm. Uh, but I didn't have to feel too guilty because we were looking for a bed for Nico uh, to use here in America. And we were looking for a high chair and hmm. uh, my stepmom found both of them on Facebook marketplace for sale in Louisville for a really, really cheap price. And she found them like half an hour before I left the house. And uh, I was like, yeah, tell them I'll be there in like three hours. I can be at their door, you know, getting the stuff. And so I bought a high chair and a a bed. So I felt like I had a mission, like a baby centric mission. Uh, Yeah, that's good. So then the other thing that saw me through was um, the Doug Stanhope crowd are known to be massive drinkers. (laughs) And um, I went out to a dinner right before the show and I had a couple of beers, went to the show and it's a two drink minimum, had a couple of beers. And then there was a guy next to me and he had a pitcher and he was like, hey, man, you want a beer from this pitcher? Go for it. And like just handed (laughs) it to me. And then that guy then ordered shots for our whole area. And uh, within like a three hour window, I had more alcohol than I've ever had in three hours in my life. (laughs) And uh, after the show, I was like, where? am i you know like i had no idea what was going on and then luckily some people found me because i was at the show alone i I knew some people (laughs) downtown but um somebody found me and took me to their house and uh i was just like uh rolling around drunken mess you you know these people who found you right (laughs) yeah 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 they're they're my old friends (laughs) okay and uh i don't have cell phone coverage but i'm you know handsome and charismatic so i thought it would work itself out and uh (laughs) i just um I don't have cell phone, but I was like, 
I knew they were, we had talked before that they were going to be downtown drinking wow. somewhere. And I was like, ah, it'll work. It, it'll work out. It'll work out. And then, wow, uh, you're so brave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had like a last resort solution, which was, I had a friend of mine's address written down in my pocket and I was like, I'll just get a taxi and show them this and I'll go wait on his doorstep until he comes home. So that was my, (laughs) (laughs) that was my, like, if all else fails plan. But then uh, somebody saw the show let out and then charged into the venue and found me in the venue and then took me out uh into louisville and then we got in cars and went they just somewhere. had like this premonition like justin's in there just yeah no yeah. idea what he's doing <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this yeah he's in there and he's scared <laughs> he's uh he's drunker than he's ever been nice. uh but he, yeah it was uh, my friend knew that i was at the that show and he was also downtown and he saw mm. that show let out and he was like okay i'm gonna go find him so mm. uh within like three minutes of the show ending somebody was like escorting me out uh, in a friendly way um (laughs) and um that that worked out really well but i think all of that alcohol really erased any feelings that i would or wouldn't have had about like oh my baby you know because i was just like alarmingly double vision drunk you know yeah and uh, then i was lucky to be coherent enough to like talk to people that i saw and then like get to a to a house um, man you went so you went by yourself to this thing kind of yeah half tossed well i only had i only had two beers when i walked in okay. but then during during the show that's when it really got piled on man, i don't know if i could do that like Oh, yeah. I'm not the type who can go to a movie theater by themselves. Oh yeah. And I feel like a comedy club is like a movie theater times 10. Like <laughs> yeah. I'd just be afraid. Like they're just going to single me out in the audience for being that dude alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it's weird because the guy who gave me the, the beer out of the pitcher, he leaned over and he was like, Hey man, are you here alone? And uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And this was as the show was going on. And he was like, oh, man, yeah, well, welcome. We're here, like, my friends. And then he's like, we got an extra glass, and we got this whole pitcher, so oh, he poured nice. me a beer. And so I, he, like, took pity on me for being alone and then ordered me shots. Like, then I was in his crew from that point uh, forward, and nice. he was, like, a big party animal. So he ordered uh, shots after that. and Yeah. But anyway, I think, yeah, that was a weird confluence of events, and um, that really changed my outlook on it. But I did, uh, I don't know if it's, and it's just like there's stuff to do, you know, I've got to get back. And also, you know that you're putting all of the childcare on your spouse. Right. And so like every additional hour that you spend away is just like, you know, your spouse is there doing things alone. So um, you just kind of want to get back basically. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I wasn't thinking about that from like the hours of 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Because I was just... I was just out of my mind. <laughs> it was uh, it was a real throwback for me. You got that <clears> drunk by six p.m. <laughs> well, starting starting at six p.m. Oh, okay, I was like, yeah. Jesus, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Like alcohol stories are boring, but the I ordered like the tall Coors Light, and it was a massive glass, no head on it whatsoever. And um, I mean, the three of those should be. Yeah, <laughs> three of those down me plus several shots within the hour and a half of a comedy show. Uh, and that was all on top of two beers at wow. the restaurant before. Yeah, so it was it was insane. 
I weigh 155 pounds. And uh, <laughs> it was just like, it was way too much. Drank but your weight in beer. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> it was really, really fun. And then uh, I really pulled it together. You know, I was like, I mean, I felt that I had to. I don't know if I did, mm. but I tried to pull it together and meet up with a lot of my other friends who happened to live there. Uh, nice. So ho- hopefully they don't all hate me. And because that's also in the back of my mind. I could have ruined everybody's night. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it ended up well. Yeah, it might, it might have. Uh, oh, so, okay. One more update, I think. This was today. We went to a farm. We're in Kentucky, and a lot hmm. of things happen on farms in Kentucky. Uh, this farm is like one of those places where you go and you pay, and then you can experience the fun and games of the farm life, like kind of have a little petting zoo opportunity you can ride a tractor, you can uh, get on their tire swing, and like they just have stuff set up for you to do, you know? Nice. Um, and this place was actually, we didn't expect this, but when we showed up, they were like, it's $22 per adult. We were like, oh my Damn. God. Yeah, it's like going to a theme park. Yeah. Uh, but it was pretty extensive. They, I mean, it was a few acres of like farmland entertainment. Damn. Those are like yes. Japanese prices. Yeah, it was crazy. I think Japan prepared me to pay $44 for the two of us (laughs) to go wander around a farm. But it was um, it was like pretty well developed and everything was built up and it was like Hmm. bordering on theme park, like farm theme park. So, um, well, the thing that I always take away from this sort of stuff is this is wall to wall new events for my baby. You know, Hmm. he's never experienced anything that's happening in this farm or seen any of these animals or whatever. So uh, I'm always wondering, like, is he going to love this? Is he going to hate this? Is he going to think it's funny or scary or like and he's doing something new every 10 minutes and you can gauge his reaction again. So I made up a scale and a a little quiz here for you. Um, I'll go I'll go through a list of things that we experienced earlier today for the first time. Eight month old baby. Hmm. And then he responded in one of these four ways. Number one was full on crying, like <laughs> having an absolute breakdown of crying. Okay. Uh, number two, number two is a little bit lighter than that. I'll call it uneasily grunting. Like <laughs> when he doesn't like the situation, yeah. he's whimpering a little, grunting a little. Three is uninterested mm. at all. And then four is basically positive. So, okay. I don't think he ever really broke out like giggling, but you know, he might show interest and play with something or whatever. So like we'll call it basically positive. Nice. Okay. So one more time, full on crying, uneasily grunting, uninterested, or basically positive. Those hmm. are the choices. Gotcha. Uh, the first thing that happened at the farm was they had some corn, like hard kernels of corn and they built a kind of shack and then filled it with kernels of corn like it's a big sandbox. Hmm. And it's got like stairs in it and a slide and you slide down and you land in corn. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> and, and then there's just a big play area of corn with like buckets and stuff. So uh, sitting your baby into corn, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think his response was? Um, I'm going to go with crying. <laughs> full on crying full on crying okay i think you get one point on this i'm going to keep track of the score okay um, this one i think you would have gotten one point for anything that you said because he started out 
had the whole range. (laughs) Yeah, it was an emotional roller coaster in the corn that day. Uh, He started out basically positive, like because there's a lot of this new texture around him. Mm. And so he was like slapping at the corn, kind of grabbing it and playing in it or just, you know, splashing it around a little bit. Uh, But then eventually he began uh, uneasily grunting and then full on crying. And there was a period of uninterest in the middle of that. But yeah, he did wind up crying in the corn. So you can't leave a kid in in field corn like that for too long. No. Yeah. So uh, the next stop in farm life was we fed animals. These animals included goats, sheep. Uh, There was a very small donkey and there were some pigs, but like little newborn piglets running around uh, all in kind of a big pen. Hmm. And there was some feed and I think I took him and just sort of uh, uh, like got him down at their level and rubbed his hand on the fur uh, and we took some photos. And uh, I should also say that it smelled terrible in there. (laughs) Smelled really, really bad. So uh, what would you say the crying, grunting, uninterested or positive? I want to go uninterested. Uh, this one, it, he was, I would say, uneasily grunting the entire oh, okay. time. Hmm. <laughs> so he kind of, you know, he would feel of a sheep and then be kind of alarmed by the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the, the key to unlock a lot of this is that an eight-month-old can't handle too much action. And with all those animals, plus other people in there, plus noises yeah. and smell, it was just like, what are you doing to me right now? And he, uh, he uneasily grunted for quite gotcha. a while. All right. The next thing we did was we went down an enormous slide. It's one of those huge slides that goes down a whole hillside and you sit in a burlap sack and, you know, like Hmm. you sit them on your lap and it's like six tracks all side by side, you know, Uh, just one really big wide slide. So taking a kid down one of those slides, it wasn't the fastest one of those enormous slides I've ever been on, but it was kind of fast. Uh, So Hmm. what do you think, Nico? I think he had a good time on that one. Oh, that was a full-on crying, my friend. Oh, really? <laughs> full-on crying <laughs> from when we started the slide until seven seconds later at the bottom, he developed a full-on uh, cry. But he recovered immediately once we got off. He realized things were safe again. He was nice. fine. That's good. Uh, the next thing we did today was a tractor ride. Um, there's a tractor pulling hmm. uh, kind of a a flatbed thing with some seats on it, uh, some benches. And we got on that to go across the farm to go to a pumpkin patch, but we had like a two, three minute tractor ride. Hmm. Man, that's a tough one. Noisy, bumpy, Mm -hmm. lots of stuff around. I mean, I feel like he's defaulting to like grunting or crying most of this trip. Mm -hmm. But maybe this is the one that now I'm going to go grunting. Oh, grunting. Uh, this one was a little bit positive. I think I would have uh, given I would have given credit for uninterested or basically positive. Okay. Um, okay. I think it was similar enough to a car ride where he can watch the trees go by, and uh, you know, kids are usually mm. sort of passive in the car. So he was either just chilling with a straight look on his face, or maybe enjoying himself. Gotcha. Okay. Uh. Next up, they had some old, like they uh, they had some photo op locations just around the farm. So there was like an old truck, and the bed had uh, you know some blankets in it and bales of hay and pumpkins and stuff, and it's all set for you to go 
like sit in the bat in the back of the old truck and then have someone take your picture in there. Um, then there was like a little house that they made. Uh, and then, I mean, just a little hut and it was totally covered in pumpkins. So there's a pumpkin house and a lot of cool looking photo ops. So, um, how do you think Nico did during his photo ops? Man, I I don't even know anymore. This kid's all over the place. (laughs) It's all over the map. (laughs) I'm going to go crying. Oh man, he loved this was the best thing Son for of a him. Bitch. He was basically positive. <laughs> he was even smiley at this phase because uh it's just like a wall of pumpkins and he's like, "Oh my god." And then you get in the back of the truck and it's just like more stuff he's never seen and huh. there are no noises, there's not a lot of people. It's just like crazy interesting stuff with colors and whatnot and then hmm. uh he got right into that. Nice. Um, all right, next, uh, I want to say bouncy house or bouncy castle, but it it wasn't really a house or a castle. It was just like a big inflated thing coming out of the ground, like right out of the soil. And I guess they were piping in the air underneath the ground. Yeah. And you could go, it probably inflated up to three, four feet off the ground and it was pretty big and you can walk on there and just jump around. Uh, yeah, I've seen a couple it, of those here. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it's the first time I'd actually seen that. Usually it's a standalone, like, bouncy castle. But mm. this was built into the ground. And um, there were a lot of older kids, say, like, early teen kids on there really jostling around. And yeah. there were probably 10, 15 people at any given time on this massive bouncy thing. So hmm. how do you think Nico handled this? I mean, it doesn't sound like a good time for him. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm going to go back to grunting. Okay, grunting. I'll give credit on grunting. I would say it it devolved into full-on crying several times. Oh, okay. Uh, But he was a baseline grunting on this thing. Um, And again, I think the the lesson that I learned today, I still have a couple more, but the lesson that I learned basically is if it's chill and quiet and there's not a lot of people around, he really Mm. has a good time. And then once you get a lot of action, a lot of motion, and a lot of noise, then it really freaks him out. And I think that that's probably true of a lot of babies, you know, right. at eight months old. It's like information overload happens almost instantly when you've just got like five people in the room. It's like, hmm. oh, I've never seen so many people. And then yeah. uh, they, they go off the deep end. So uh, the next thing was a tire swing. This was a tractor tire swing Mm. and the the tire was like uh parallel to the ground so oriented sort of horizontally like a big circle and you could get like three people on there (laughs) yeah and um so my wife me and nico got in a tire swing and we just swung well that sounds like a good time i'm gonna go with smiley basically positive yes sir okay he was happy he's a he loves you give me the hint there you should yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah Should have hinted earlier, but it's a learning experience. Yeah, uh, he he loves to swing. It's like um, you know, babies like to be rocked, and then mm. swinging is just one easy step up from rocking. Yeah. So the tire swing was a big hit with him. Um, the next one, and this is kind of out of left field. I'm going to call it levitating balls. <laughs> Le- <laughs> levitating balls. You know those things like in a science museum. <laughs> 
<laughs> the title of my solo album. The title of my David Blaine special, Levitating Balls. <clears throat> uh, it's uh, that thing where you have like a tube that's shooting air. Like, you know, you can do right. it with a leaf, leaf blower or whatever. And mm-hmm. then you just put like a beach ball on top of it and it floats. Uh, these were more like um, balls, like little plastic balls, like from a ball pit or something, like the size okay. of a baseball, but just okay. a simple plastic ball. And it was a little area that had maybe six of these tubes and you could place the ball and have it levitate in midair. Hmm. So it's not really like shooting around. It's just kind of hovering and yeah, you go and kind of interact with that. Yeah, and there are baskets of the plastic balls around, so you put okay. them on yourself and uh, you try to. Um, I yeah, try, try to I would assume them. not disinterested or interested, just unfazed a little. Mm-hmm. This one surprisingly full on crying. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was weeping bitter tears at the levitating balls. The element that I didn't mention is that those things are always really loud, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. It's, I didn't think about that. Yeah, like leaf blower style. So you had six of them all in yeah. a bank. And uh, then we kind of went in there and I thought, this could blow his mind because there's just a ball kind of hovering in air that he could reach out and grab. And hmm. he loves playing with stuff like that. I thought this could be like a new way that he's never played with that sort of stuff before where it's floating in midair. Right. And that could really like floor him. But it was just the sound overwhelmed him, and he burst into tears. So um, that should be my default. Yeah, exactly. Burst into (laughs) tears uh, was like probably his his norm for the day. Uh, And then it really gave me an appreciation. This is kind of like I guess every baby's going to be different, and you'll learn what your baby likes or doesn't like. But Mm. I think in general, um, you know, stuff that you may think is fun is just very quickly overwhelming to a kid uh, in terms of you go to your, um, you know, you go to party with the little cousins and aunts and uncles. And it's like, Oh, there are 10 people in this room. There's usually not 10 people in a room cry. You know, that's how Mm. the the baby logic goes. Or uh, that thing's very loud, louder than anything I experience on a day-to-day basis cry, you know? (laughs) And you sort of can get into their head a little bit more about how they may respond to stuff. Interesting. Um, if it's yeah, if it's chill and calm and just a little bit different than their norm, they're gonna love it. Like um, seeing like a pumpkin patch. He's right. never seen one totally peaceful, and he loves to look at it. But then um, you do uh, anything with the least bit of like bouncing, jostling noise or whatever, and it was just really flipping him out. So. We learned we learned that lesson today. Yeah. I haven't experienced any of that really with Coda. I mean, we don't get around him in those types of places yet. But we'll mm-hmm. take him to like the Eon and stuff and we'll, you know, it's super noisy and busy there. Uh-huh. He always just kind of wants to like look around. He kind of like chills out when his environment gets really like intense. But he's oh, yeah. never unhappy about it. Like he's always just really interested and it's just like, oh, what is all this? That's cool. Yeah, it, there could be some subtlety in it. Like, um, Nico doesn't burst into tears like every time we go into a supermarket, say, or something like that. Uh, but it's more if you're in a place where people are going to be in his face or where it's like confined a little bit more, mm, maybe. And then the action is right up on him all the time. Um, so he can go through a shop uh, or a mall or something still pretty easily. 
but uh, like you know, petting zoo, there were a lot of people, a lot of animals in a pen, mm. and um, at, we you know just later after we went to the farm, we went to my mom's house, and I don't know, there were ten people there just in a living room, right. and two little kids running around, and he was very emotional at, at my mom's house too. So uh, he needs like peace and quiet plus one, and then he'll be pretty enthusiastic about it. Gotcha. Yeah. They can't take so, a lot during the day either. Like their intensity is always shorter. I've noticed like, especially with Coda, like if we do a lot in the morning, mm-hmm. like his afternoon should probably be calm. If yeah. it's not like his evening is going to be like super fussy. Yeah. That's a great point um, that with a baby, you should plan to do one thing in a day. Mm. And then, uh, you know, like if you're on vacation or something, you might try to do like five, six things. You know, oh, we're going to go here, go there, yeah. have a certain breakfast, certain lunch, dinner, see this museum and that sort of thing. But a kid really just needs the one thing and then needs to chill. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's like a rare kid who can just hang all day long and, and go yeah. along and do everything. So that's that's really wise. Um, nice. Yeah, so we wrangled some advice out of that. Good. Good job, us. <clears throat> Go us. <laughs> uh, that is counting as our segment today, so we can yes. jump right on to McQuiffy. McQuiffy. Okay, I got a question today. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Um, we've kind of gone over this a little. You always touch on this, but have you noticed any significant changes in Nico's like attitude or personality since he's been in America and hanging out with older kids more frequently? Mm, it's interesting to say like what he may have learned or not learned like that he wouldn't have learned uh, otherwise, you know, because they're always developing. But now he's seeing a one-year-old and a two-year-old almost every day and interacting with them. And he'll be in a a walker or a bouncer or something while the other one's playing right there. And the other one will come up to his face and, you Mm. know, uh, and do whatever, uh, touch him or get his toys or give him a toy or something. So he's got a lot of interaction. And I would say he observes those kids constantly um, I don't know if there's like a, a baby radar that goes off or if, if he even knows that kid is my size, I'm going to see what he's doing. Or if it's just um, kids tend to be active and that draws the attention of other kids or something. But he does zero in on his cousins and likes to watch them. Um, but uh, I can't say that he does anything in particular that they do. Maybe he's just still slightly too young for it because... Okay. You know, the the big stuff would be like, well, he can't walk and they both run around all the time Um, and uh, he can't speak or he doesn't do any of his baby signs yet. And they both speak and sign all the time. So Mm -hmm. um, and he's really not at the age even where he's like uh, mimicking sounds with any intention. Um, So (laughs) he doesn't even follow along if that if that cousin is saying something all the time. Uh, he doesn't really follow along with that either. So hmm. um, I would say that he's getting a lot of different inputs 
uh, I mean, I think your question was like more in general about the U.S., but like I think the cousins are sort of the main thing that's yeah. really different here. Uh, so I think his interaction with the cousins, it's like he's getting a lot more uh, inputs and a lot like more varied inputs that he wouldn't have gotten if he were in Japan. And so yeah. far it hasn't manifested as anything, but I'm sure it's like programming his brain in certain ways about right. what babies do and what they're capable of. And it's probably given him a lot of ideas kind of in the back of his mind so far. Mm. That's just my, my guess, but I can't really think of anything that nothing he, like noticeable, like he started yeah. doing this thing or yeah, nothing like totally obvious. Um, he's had changes that I think have just come about as a result of age. Like uh, I mentioned maybe uh, last episode or two episodes ago that he wants the thing that he wants now. Right. Uh, you used to could just take anything out of his hands, but now if you take something out of his hands, he cries about it. So mm. that's probably just more natural development and doesn't have much to do with the U.S. Mm. Um, I would I say so. from a yeah um, from a linguistics point of view, uh, I'm certain that the pathways in his brain for English language have been more sort of solidified and hammered out mm. after being here and hearing everyone speak. I think there's research that goes back to even like uh, babies in utero who hear a language uh, mm. are, then show a greater aptitude to pick up that language. Um, We've talked about that a little bit before. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the study was uh, something about like uh, a child where the mother lives in another country, but then yeah. the child is adopted into a, a different country with a different language that kid yeah. still retains some aptitude for that language that the child heard in utero, like was the long and short of that research. Yep. So um, that times whatever, because, you know, he's out and interacting and people are talking to him face to face every day. Uh, and his brain is, you know, that much more active. So I would say that his, this is probably paying dividends in his English in certain ways. That's like really getting him jump started. Nice. Um and it'll be interesting to see. Maybe there's a little bit of a side by side we can do with Coda and Nico. Like maybe Nico will come out with more English, and mm. Coda will come out with more Japanese earlier on, or something. Yeah, um, that'd we be may really see interesting. if yeah, if that's the case. Um, but um, anyway, yeah. So I think there are things happening, but I would say all of them are behind the scenes, just in the old brain right now. Cool. Good question. Uh, Japanese of the day. Yay. This is a very simple word, um, and I just like it because uh, it, this is a verb, and it's hankosuru, hankosuru. And you might hear that hanko and think hanko, like the name stamp, mm. but the difference is that hanko, the name stamp, has no extra oot right at the end, you know? So uh, there's hanko, the stamp, but this is hanko with the extra little extended O sound. Gotcha. Um, and the word hanko as a noun means like rebellion or resistance or something. And then of course, hanko suru means to rebel or to resist. And this comes up in child rearing in exactly the ways that you would think, uh, where the kid is not wanting to do what you want the kid to do. Hmm. And, um, I would say like, uh, 
Uh, I think it's, and I'm like way out of my depth because this is Japanese and I don't speak Japanese well, but I think um, you can use Honkosuru for like teenage kids <laughs> when they're right. rebelling at, at that phase of their life. Right. But um, uh, in a looser way, Nico's giving us a little rebellion these days in ter- or resistance anyway, when, mm. uh, you know, he like grabs something he shouldn't have and we try to get it from him and then he's not happy about that. So uh, that's been on my mind. I, I was just thinking, like, if I ever get a shirt with this with Japanese on it, I'm gonna get mm-hmm. Hanko no Hanko. <laughs> yeah, but, so the the Hanko kanji printed on a Hanko, right? That's perfect. It's yeah. absolutely perfect. Rebel of course, against the state. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I what I that must have been some headlines in, oh, during the coronavirus era because they're really trying to get rid of the stamp a lot. Yeah, but, I would imagine. Uh, what I like about it to us, this is a total homophone, you know, it's like Honko Honko. It sounds exactly the same. Mm. And I like that the Honko stamp is like the epitome of organization and doing the thing the proper way. Right. And then you add an <laughs> ooh sound and it means exactly the opposite of that. Uh, and like the, uh, like Honko no Honko mm. <laughs> that you brought up. I think to us that sounds like awesome, and then to a Japanese person, they're like, they're two totally different words. What do you? What's the joke? I don't yeah, get it's it. gonna be like, well, those are obviously different. <laughs> yeah, obviously different. <laughs> to our untrained ear, it's uh, a hilarious wordplay. I'll still get the shirt. It'll yeah, go for it. That's a good shirt. That's, I would wear that shirt too. Yeah. Um. So, hankosuru. Uh, I'm sure um, Moe will correct me later about my pronunciation oh i'm still raw still so raw from that Uh, i'm sure she won't now that you've said that okay good or she'll tell me and tell me not to tell you (laughs) oh now we're in an elaborate game oh no is she gonna tell me Hmm. oh no uh well um it's dad joke time i believe all right I got two today. What do you Me got? too. Me too. Um, I'll just, I'm going to jump in. Okay, uh, do it. This one says, I was just reminiscing about the beautiful herb garden I had when I was growing up. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> Time, you see. Oh, nice. I, nice. I like that. Time, time again. Mm-hmm. What happens when it rains on cats and dogs? When it rains cats and dogs on cats and dogs? I have no idea what happens. You have to be careful not to step into a poodle. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why you brought cats into it. But, I don't either. Uh, That's what they wrote. <laughs> real misdirection there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Why couldn't I take my dog to the duck pond anymore? No idea. Because he was purebred. <laughs> he was purebred. So the ducks kept biting him. <laughs> what Very <it> nice. <laughs> it's in it's in the delivery, and I think that yeah. was my problem. <laughs> I don't know. Little pause would have helped that one. Yeah. Thanks. So. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Why are trees the worst frenemies? Uh, because they're shady. Close. 
They're so good at throwing shade. Oh, oh heck yeah. yeah. Throwing that shade. Nice. Okay, good stuff. All right, I think that uh, that does it for us today. You got anything else? No, another successful J-Pops in the books. Excellent. So thank you for listening. We hope this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us either on Twitter at J-Pops Podcast or by email at info at the Talk to you next time. Pizza time.